You're listening to the Creating Resilience podcast with Anne Diamond's Creative Changemaker. I'm passionate about helping clients create calm in their busy lives by having more creative playtime. In each episode, I'll be sharing easy ways to sneak some creativity into your life, whatever it may throw at you. From my own experiences and those of my invited guests, we'll show you how you can overcome any challenge and build your own resilience toolkit. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. So welcome to another episode of the Creating Resilience podcast. And this week we've got a guest, uh, a lovely guest to chat to. So you're not just listening to my voice all the time. And we've got Jess Wiggins. Jess, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. So um, Jess, um, I'll just introduce Jess and then Jess can maybe add more if you if you want to um Jess is a transformational coach who supports people with their mindset and confidence uh, we all need a bit of that I think um she's helps them to overcome their fears uh, limiting beliefs and self-doubt so they can stop procrastinating and feeling stuck and start taking action to create the things they want in business and life that sounds amazing Jess and um and you also shared that you're a mum and you live in beautiful Devon in the southwest of England I do. I'm very lucky. It is, and it's a glorious day here today as well. So I can actually enjoy it for once. Um, it's not, it's not raining or cloudy. It's, it's glorious blue skies. So yeah, I am very lucky to live where I do. And amazing. And actually, we're recording this in the evening, so you have had the benefit of having a lovely whole day, enjoying the sunshine, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Amazing. So. Would you like to share a little bit more about how you became a transformational coach and actually what a transformational coach does, please? Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so it's quite a long story. I will try and um, summarise as best I can. But essentially, I have a legal background and have worked in the legal profession for about 15, 16 years. Um, and about six years ago, we relocated from just outside Manchester to Devon to a village we'd never been to before um, where we didn't know anyone and which was an hour from my parents and anyone else that we knew Um, and at the time we also had a nine-month-old and a three-year-old so I was juggling this quite demanding job with a relocation two small children Um, And I'd also just recently taken on some additional responsibilities at work, which meant that I was doing some very stressful um, court hearings. And the upshot of all of this was that I ended up extremely burnt out. Um, I didn't recognise it as, as burnout necessarily at the time. I just wasn't sleeping very well. I wasn't able to switch off from work. Um, I wasn't eating particularly well. All I could think about was work and juggling the jobs and the demands of the jobs that I had to to try and get done um, alongside, obviously, two small children um, and finding my feet in a completely new area that was unfamiliar in. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was a really difficult time and it got to the point where I started having heart palpitations and... I just, I was age 33 at the time and I just, it was a huge wake up call. Um, 
I just thought, wow, I'm 33 and something doesn't feel right with my heart. And I feel that that's probably because of everything that's going on, but I wasn't too sure. Um, so I went to the GP to get it checked out. Um, they said they wanted to sign me off work. And I mean, you probably might be surprised to hear this, you might not, but my response was that I had too much to do at work, so they couldn't possibly sign me off. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, you can't see this, Jess, and, the, and obviously the listeners can't see this, but I'm tapping away on my hand here. I'm an EFT <laughs> practitioner. I'm tapping away furiously here, here because you are pretty much not not the heart thing, but you are pretty much sharing the same story that I experienced nine years ago. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, wow. So that that's yeah. really bad. So you got so bad that you you it was yeah. affecting your heart. Yes, so they tried to sign me off work. I obviously refused, so I carried on working, but they did refer me to a cardiologist and they also referred me for stress and anxiety counselling, which did help. Um, ultimately, I ended up having the issues with my heart, like numerous tests and ECGs, lots of different things, and the outcome was that they felt it was probably due to stress. Um, but I was experiencing heart palpitations for about 18 months after that. So it wasn't something that just went away instantly. Um, it did last a long time. And I was worried for a while that I might have done some kind of long-term damage. Luckily, like touch wood, um, everything's okay now. Um, but that's because I, I did make some huge changes in my life at that point. Um, and one of which was that I decided to have some coaching with um, a coach who happened to be a friend of mine. So it was it was easy for me to reach out to her and yeah. ask her if she would help. Um, and we had a coaching session, which just completely changed things for me because up until that point, I'd felt extremely trapped in the job that I was doing because we had bills to pay and small children mm -hmm. and childcare fees and all those kinds of things. Um, so I felt very trapped as though I needed to keep doing that job and I had no choice. Um, but as a result of the coaching that we did together, she very much helped open my mind to different ways of seeing my situation and recognizing that actually a lot of it were choices that I was making ultimately you know I wasn't necessarily very happy with those choices but I was nevertheless choosing them for instance choosing to prioritize work over my own mental and physical health yeah um, and whilst it didn't feel like it was necessarily much of a choice I recognized that actually it was because equally I had the choice not to do that and to maybe leave that job or take a demotion or do something to change my situation so those coaching sessions that we had were incredibly powerful for me. Um, and as a result of that, I did make some huge changes. So I took a demotion, which it took me a lot of courage to do that because I'd worked really hard in my legal profession to get to where I was. So it took a lot for me to do that, but it felt like it was the right thing to do because my health and my family were more important than a job title. So yeah. I did that. Um, I reduced my hours so I went part-time rather than full-time which the hours that I was actually doing 
prior to that were full-time plus a lot of extra hours um so going to part-time really did help and did you do the equivalent of full-time in the part-time role because that's my experience is that you end up doing a full-time job in part-time hours absolutely so there was an element of that but at least I was doing extra hours on top of part-time work rather than extra hours on top of full-time work so Mm -hmm. it still felt that I had a bit more balance um so it definitely helped and I also did things like practiced having better boundaries around work Mm -hmm. um and so just recognizing that actually if I didn't put myself first and do things that were going to refill my cup and re-energize me Um, and also just give me a break from working at that level of stress yeah I would end up back in that situation again and I absolutely didn't want to be in that place again because it was probably one of the hardest things I've been through in my life and so that in itself really helped me with building better boundaries around work so that I could then start to prioritize myself a little bit more and recognize that actually, okay, I've done my hours for today. You know, nothing's that urgent that it can't wait until tomorrow. So I'm absolutely going to switch the laptop off now and just have some time with the children. And probably one of the things that hadn't helped was that I was working from home. So I was gonna say those boundaries are really hard to keep, aren't they, when you're working from home? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'd been fortunate in that I'd been able to keep the job that I'd had in Manchester when I moved to Devon. Um, But the upshot of that was that it meant I was working from home. And so Mm. the temptation is always there to keep the laptop switched on or just log back in quickly and do an extra hour. And that's exactly what I've been doing. And sometimes until one o'clock in the morning, um, Mm. it did get too much. So that's kind of how I got to experience coaching and see the power of coaching and how it really helped shift my mindset to see that I did have options and I did have possibilities and there was something I could do about the situation that I was in because I was so unhappy um so yeah that's kind of how I got to um deciding that I would then retrain as a transformational coach and here I am now. <laughs> so I mean, this is this is a story that that unfortunately, I mean, you know, in in my my previous career in health and safety, that story is too common. And you know, when I when we when we do when I do talks about um, burnout, you know, the the World Health Organization, International Labour Organization um, paper that that was published, um, I think it was last year or the year before basically saying that stress and um, stress and you know overwork but 55 hours a week which in the legal profession isn't really touching what hours you did I mean how many hours a week were you working oh so many that I couldn't keep track but I'd say easily 60 you meant to log out you meant to log all your hours aren't you because I brief I briefly yeah. worked for a legal firm and we had to log every 15 minutes of our time against each client account Oh, wow, really? Yeah, and that actually added about two hours onto my working day because you do your working day and then you have to do log all your time, which took yeah. so long. It took longer to log the time than it did to actually do the work most yeah. of the time. So. Oh, I can imagine. I can well imagine yeah. that. 
Amazing. So yeah, over 55 hours um, was classed as over, overwork, you know, long work, overwork. And they studied uh, globally. They said that working more than overwork was killing more people than malaria. Wow. Three quarters of a million people, the World Health Organization estimated were dying due to, purely due to physical health conditions caused by overwork and stress. Wow. And, yeah. and like you said, the heart conditions, diabetes, strokes, yeah. all because of this, the effects, the impact of stress on the body. Yeah. And that was absolutely the wake up call for me. I think up until that point, I just thought, you know, I'm still relatively young and yeah. and I had thought I was relatively healthy. So to experience problems with my heart at that kind of age really did make me take a step back and reevaluate because yeah. up until that point I'd worked so hard for that career mm-hmm. and it just been you know an automatic thing I kept moving up the ladder I kept working harder and get promotions and keep moving through the process and so it hadn't really occurred to me to reevaluate it until I reached that point and realized that actually I was hugely unhappy and also now physically unwell um and I just thought actually this isn't what I've worked for this isn't why I've put all those hours in and put all that effort in to get to this point and to be unhappy and unable to enjoy family life which is where I found myself so so obviously I I I could talk for hours on this but this is a great this is a creative this is a creativity podcast (laughs) I I would go into what we we know what support did you get and what the stress risk assessments and all those sort of things but I'm we're not talking about that here now this is this is the creating resilience podcast so so uh yeah I I I'm a judge on an international health and safety award and that's the, the my my question is is about how the people how how corporations implement um, stress management standards and uh, uh, quite a lot quite a lot of them don't get it uh, yeah. but creativity yes <laughs> yeah. so so you experienced this coaching and you 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 experienced uh you know because when you're stressed your executive functions shut down and mm-hmm. the first thing to go is your creativity absolutely so you had somebody a coach helping to tease out of you more creative ways of reframing the situation you were in effectively so you decided to make make changes obviously it sounds like you've made massive changes Uh in your life so what what made you decide to become a coach yourself yeah so it was as a result of that experience really and just feeling the impact that she'd had on me um she hadn't you know told me what to do or given me any answers or you know suggested that I make these changes all she'd done is facilitated my thinking essentially um and helped me as you say reframe things and see things from different perspectives and see that I I had options and that there were opportunities and there were things that I could do. It almost gave me some control back in the situation because at that point I felt very out of control and actually Mm -hmm. as though life was just happening to me and I had no choice. And so those coaching Mm -hmm. sessions just really helped me see that I did have agency over the situation and they might not be my ideal decisions. I might not have chosen to take a demotion necessarily and 
what felt like a step back in my career um but weighing everything up I knew that it was absolutely the right thing to do and that it was going to help me start to feel happier um so yeah by helping by helping others to experience the the empowerment that you felt in your case yeah Yeah, absolutely because I'd had such a significant impact as a result of the coaching it just inspired me to look into it more so initially I just did um a free course that was being run it was a government funded course that was being run by the local college on coaching and mentoring and it just I think it was only six or eight weeks but as soon as I sat in that classroom and started learning more about it I just fell in love with it absolutely loved it and do you know what I'd worked so hard for that career in the legal profession that since a child I thought was what I always wanted to do I'd never had that feeling of being so lit up and excited to learn so much more about it as I did when I was learning about coaching yeah and so I don't know if that comes with age and experience but I certainly knew as soon as I started experiencing more coaching training that it was the thing I was meant to be doing amazing yeah I mean I had a similar experience because I, I, I never intended going health and safety you know I wanted to be a, a scientist you know finding answers for things and then from yeah. science I realized that the labs weren't safe that I was working in so I ended up going into health and safety but it wasn't until I was diagnosed with my PTSD that I realized that the reason I went into health and safety is because I wanted to help others feel safe because I didn't feel safe myself uh-huh. so you get these you get these revelations as you progress through life don't you so um, in EFT, we talk about a palace of possibilities and the writing on your walls. So when you were younger, the writing on your walls, the beliefs were that the legal profession was a very respectable profession. And, you know, you, you know, you had probably had a lot of beliefs about what a legal profession yeah. would be. But obviously the reality the experience was different, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. you had you basically effectively erased some of those beliefs on the walls of the rooms that you were living in and yeah. you've opened up new ventures a new pathway for yourself haven't you yeah exactly that and I think like you say there was that that kind of belief around the legal impression at the legal profession that it was something very respectable and something you know to be proud of and I actually you know had family members who were surgeons and things like that and so it was almost as though it was yeah looked upon really positively that I wanted a career in the legal profession so it almost kind of reinforced that belief that it was something to aspire to it was something worth you know pursuing it was a respectable professional career and so I think that probably did reinforce those beliefs for me and and keep me going down that path when like you say when I got there the reality of what life in the legal profession is like is perhaps not what I was hoping for I knew it would be a demanding role um but I didn't really feel I was getting the good bits out of it as much as I was the rest of it I was getting a lot of distress and pressure but I wasn't really feeling so positive or experiencing you know the the best bits of it I don't think so yeah, yeah it didn't quite live up to expectations and in Manchester, it might have been perfect for you, but in a in a place you didn't know and you didn't know anybody, and with two young children, then things change, yeah. don't they? And you absolutely, know, yeah, yeah, 
And when so, you're working from a, a desk in the corner of your bedroom, which is what I was doing initially, um, yeah, it can, it, the, the boundaries between work and home life get very blurred yeah. and it all kind of merges into one. So it was a very different experience to working in the office in Manchester and, you know, being around other people in the office and also having the social side of being able to go out for lunch together. and Public and transport. Nice yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we moved from Edinburgh down to Somerset and I know exactly how you feel because I was used to just hopping on the bus and, you know, going out for a drink with friends and, and you know, dropping the girls at, at, at walking the girls to school. And then the, the reality of doing a 40 mile round trip to take both girls to school, then trying to get to work. It's like, no, you can't do that anymore. You know, so you've got to yeah. adjust, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny you say that because that one of the first like really steep learning curves that we experienced when we moved to Devon was that we were used to taxis just oh, being available on no. demand. After 10 o'clock, no way. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> you need to ring and book them like no. two or three hours in advance at least, if not yeah. the day before, which was mind-blowing for us. So we yeah, learned you that can't do spontaneous. Quickly. And takeaways yeah. being open past 10 o'clock as well. If you know, fancy takeaway. Oh my God. Yeah. I was I was so excited. I mean, we li- we lived outside of Glass when we were first moved. So I had to drive everywhere. You know, you couldn't go in, you couldn't go out with your friends without driving. So, you know, it was great, been great in terms of alcohol consumption because you didn't drink when you went out, you just drove everywhere. Um, yeah. but like I was so excited to come out, I came out of a pub in Glassbury and, I, and the, pe- the the takeaway was, was open after eleven o'clock. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is moving from Edinburgh where things were open 24-7, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we, we yeah. digress. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry I, I love this about podcasts you just go off in all sorts of directions so yeah, we've talked a little too. bit about um limiting beliefs mm. and and um when we when we were talking before we started recording the podcast um we had a bit of a conversation about how you when you work with clients you talk about um thought patterns and limiting beliefs having an impact on how we experience things and we have we have yeah. talked a little bit about this in terms of your experience so yeah. you want to expand on that a little bit yeah, absolutely. So this is my experience is precisely where I've come from and drawn from in order to focus on limiting beliefs and, and thought patterns, because that was the thing, the shift for me that was the most powerful in terms of really starting to transform my life and make big changes was working on my mindset and the limiting beliefs that were keeping me stuck, some of which were that you know, I believed I had no choice and that I was stuck in that job and all those kinds of things. And so that's why I now focus on things like limiting beliefs and negative thoughts um, with my clients, because I feel like that's the biggest stumbling block. Like quite often, you know, we know what steps we could take. Like I did know that I could apply for another job if I really wanted to, or I could ask to reduce my hours. But those limiting beliefs subconsciously were were not really pushing me towards those because I was just believing that actually I just needed to carry on as I was we needed the income we needed to pay for childcare, all those kinds of things so it really did keep me stuck having those beliefs and thoughts flowing around my mind on a daily basis um so from there I focused on this with my clients and when I talk about limiting beliefs um, the first point that we always start with is becoming aware of what limiting beliefs we hold because 
generally speaking, they are subconscious because all a belief is is a thought that's been repeated over and over again until we believe it as truth. And so I'm sure people listening to this will recognize that there probably are beliefs that they hold that they've thought for a very long time and they've just brought them through life. You know, quite often we develop these things in childhood from, you know, parents and teachers and peers and life experiences that we've had. And they just create this impression on us. And then those limiting beliefs stay with us subconsciously um, throughout life. And, you know, that might not necessarily be a problem until it starts limiting you or keeping you small, keeping you stuck, as it was with me. So the first step that I always start with with my clients is to get awareness on what it is that's keeping them stuck, like what thoughts are they having about that particular area of their life mm-hmm. that's keeping them stuck? Because these beliefs are generally beliefs that they hold about themselves or the world that help them make sense of the world and their place in the world. So it, as soon as we can become aware of what it is that they believe about themselves and their place in the world, we can then start to have a look at that and think, right, okay, is that an accurate thought or belief to have? Is it true? What are other ways to look at it? And then really unpick it. So that's always the starting point is just getting aware on on what those thoughts and beliefs are. And that that can be, I mean, I obviously, you know, we're both coaches. So, you know, we've we've both, we both uh, deal with clients and I use because I try to be visual, visual being an artist as mm. well. And um, I use it. We use I use a tabletop metaphor. So like the belief is the tabletop, and each of the underlying um, causes for that belief are the legs. And then you, know, you work through. So like say you've got a, like a belief I'm stuck in this job, and then you go through. Well, I'm stuck in this job. I believe I'm stuck in this job because. Uh, because we can't afford not me not to have the job you know um I've worked so hard for this and they you know you, know, you all the different underlying beliefs and you question those if they're really true and one by yeah. one you take the legs away yeah. so you can actually help them gently not not directly sort of aggressively say well that's not true and you should you know, yeah. but just uh, quest, start questioning well I've always believed this or at the time this was this was true for me but is it true now and yeah. if you have to create it's, it's, it's all creativity isn't it you, you're creatively you know trying to get them to tease out well why do you believe that and is it, yeah. is it still true yes I, I love that metaphor that's a, a lovely way to picture it and that's exactly what we do is just facilitate their thinking really to help them see that there are other options and other ways of viewing things and just to really challenge those beliefs to see actually like you say are they true they might have come from an experience that they had in childhood or something like that but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's still true for them now um Mm. but without doing this kind of work and without challenging them we don't always recognize that and we'll we'll still go through life with these subconscious beliefs limiting us um so yeah I I love that metaphor that's really helpful yeah and so we're talking about creativity and thinking about our thoughts and this podcast is called creating resilience so I always ask every guest this um how do you think creativity has made or does make you more resilient yeah yeah so I suppose firstly just having that coaching experience 
was enabling me to move from that very stuck um, limited view of life to be more creative and to see that there were so many options and possibilities for me. So I would say, you know, having things like coaching certainly were transformational for me and, and really powerful in terms of how I was able to change my trajectory. Um, but there were a couple of other things that I did at that time, which I also now looking back and see that helped me a lot in terms of resilience and being able to cope with what I said, like, like I say, was a really difficult time. Um, the first of which was exercise, um, which I know a lot of people talk about. And that's because it, it works. It absolutely works. Um, for me, I ended up joining a running club because I was working from home so much. I was very isolated and so didn't have the social connection. And so I wanted something that was with other people. Um, so I joined a running club and we would run, I think it was once or twice a week around like the Devon country lanes and things. So not only was I with people, but I was also in the countryside, which was lovely because the other 23 hours of the day I was in my house and yeah. seeing those brick walls so it was lovely to actually experience a bit of Devon um, and see some greenery which I definitely think helped in terms of lifting my mood I would feel so much better by the time I got home and you know don't get me wrong there were times when I was putting my running trainers on and I couldn't think of anything that I would least rather do than go out for a run because obviously my energy levels were quite low as well from the stress and demands of the job. Yeah. But I knew that I would feel so much better after going and I always did. So exercise was, was really powerful for me, but in particular with that kind of social aspect and having other people. So it felt more fun. Um, unless you know as though I was just doing it for the sake of it or doing it because I felt I had to it was more because I wanted to because it, it was enjoyable and, and I guess moving to a new new village in the middle of you know well several hundred miles away from where your family and friends were yeah. I mean that's quite challenging so um getting to know other people and I suppose learning about them as well would have been helpful as well wouldn't it so yeah yeah yeah, definitely. Yeah, it helped me meet some other parents because I was working at home all the time. So it was my husband really who did the the school runs and things like that. So I didn't even really mix with any other parents either. Mm. So I was very much, you know, just at home on my own. So I, I desperately did miss that social connection. And I do think that's a big part of resilience is having that that kind of network and just people to connect with you know we are social creatures and mm -hmm. you know you only need to look at the experience of people in lockdown um, during the pandemic to see the impact that it has when that element of social connection is taken away from us and I certainly felt that when we moved to Devon and I, I felt very much um, that I was quite isolated so that was a, a huge thing for me in terms of building my resilience and lifting my mood it, it made a massive difference um so would that be that, your top tip then would that be your top tip takeaway for anyone to you know help them bring more creativity in their life then 
Yes, I would say exercise is definitely number one. Um, it was the thing that shifted my mood the quickest. Um, literally, it was instant. As soon as I was outside, it was instant. Um, so I'd definitely say exercise, but specifically making it fun. So something that you enjoy. So it doesn't, I wouldn't say it necessarily needs to be something like running if actually you just prefer going for a nice walk or you know, going to the gym or doing exercise classes, whatever works for you, or even a hobby, just something that you enjoy. Because I think that's what helped me still turn up on those days when I really didn't feel like it was because I knew actually it was quite fun and I did enjoy it. Um, so I would definitely say, you know, adding that element of fun and social connection helps. Um, but there was one other thing, I suppose, which was my children um, because they were nine months and three years old at the time um, they obviously demanded some attention yeah. um, and understandably um, and what that did now that I look back I didn't recognize it at the time it just felt like an extra demand on me and my energy levels um, but looking back what it did was forced me to be present in the moment because they were so yeah. little and they needed so much attention I had to get on the floor and play with bits of Lego yeah. and I you know I had to get involved with the messy tea times and the spaghetti bolognese all over the kitchen and actually it got me completely focused in the present moment because I had no choice I had to just think about what I was doing and what they were doing um, and that really helped as well because it meant that I did at least get some small windows where I was switched off from work because I had no choice. I had to be focused on where I was. Um, so that did help, uh, although I didn't recognise it at the time. I can see that now. Well, they do. They do say that you know, as a, you know, there's there's a sort of window sort of around. I don't know what, what age it is, but we it's a window where basically we we lose the lose the ability to play. We lose the ability to just enjoy being silly for the sake of it. And you yeah. know, if we can sort of bring a bit of that back into our lives, and you know, I used to mine mine well, my oldest is about to go to university, so you know, mine are teenagers now. But you know, looking back, as you say, I used to love sitting down watching Peppa Pig. It was like five five minutes of just nonsense, you know, rubbish animation, just silly stories. But actually, it was just like you lose yourself in it, don't you? You know, just absolutely switch off for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, then still around there, but Boogie Beebies was one as well, where you just stood and dance. Oh. They, they, they taught you taught you a little dance routine like, throughout the program. They'd literally do one move at a time and repeat it about ten times for little ones. But oh, wow. I've heard of that one. We all had Boogie Beebies. <laughs> brilliant little dance every every day yeah I do think as adults like you say we lose that that focus on playing but that ability to play as well because what I tend to find or what I found with myself but what I tend to find with my clients as well is that we are so focused on either the past and events that have happened in the past or the future and all the what ifs and the worries that we get so distracted by those that we spend so much time in our heads overthinking those things that actually we forget to just enjoy where we are for a minute and just breathe in you know the amazing things that we do have um so yeah I would definitely agree that a bit more play in everyone's lives would be a good thing amazing well yeah I've got I've got the 
the benefit of being in a band with my husband, which is a bit of a midlife crisis thing. We've been doing it for the last nine years. And um, but we get three hours every week just to play and sing and just mess about. Oh, it's brilliant. And then and that's a physical workout and a, and a mental workout every week. And it just imagine. clears it all because, you know, we store all this stuff in our body, all that cortisol and, and uh, adrenaline. You have to shake it out somehow, don't you? So you guess your running helps and things like that. So yeah. it's been brilliant talking to you and so many amazing stories and, and inspiration for, for, for the listeners uh, this week about, you know, yeah. how you can get through burnout and make some really significant changes in your life and, and you know, and for, for the better. And, and what a wonderful thing that you've used that experience and now helping other people to, to make changes. Um, yeah. Thank you. How can people find you or work with you or find out more about what you do? Yes, thank you. Um, so anyone who can resonate with anything that I've talked about and finds themselves in that situation where they do feel stuck and unhappy and maybe unfulfilled, um, maybe they're struggling with fears and self-doubt, things like that, then please do come and find me. I have a free Facebook group called A Limitless Life. Um, where I work with people on things like mindset and confidence, self-belief, imposter syndrome, all those things that keep us stuck. Um, so everyone is more than welcome in there um, to, to join that. Or otherwise, I am on Instagram as at Jessica Wiggins underscore. Thanks, Jess. And I'll share all those, you know, Jess has shared her links with me, so they'll all be shared in the show notes. And um amazing stuff so uh, I'll, I'll i've connected with you on instagram so i'll be following you and uh thanks ever so much for for coming on the podcast and uh it's been really lovely to speak to you oh you too thank you for having me right, thanks a lot thank you okay bye bye so that's all for this time thanks so much for listening don't forget to hit subscribe and please share with anyone you know who might benefit from hearing what we discussed today if you want to find out more about how I can help you create change in your life and discover more creative ways to living and working well, you can check out my website at www.worksafeandwell.co.uk where you can read the weekly blog posts and book a free Power Hour Discovery Call. You can also download a free guide to taming your stress triggers from the website at worksafeandwell.co.uk forward slash overwhelmed hyphen and hyphen stressed. For all links to my creative work, look up my link tree link forward slash Anne Diamond Artist. I also run a private Facebook Beat Burnout support group. The links to that and all the other ones mentioned here are in the show notes below. Until next time, stay safe and well and keep creating.